hope you're having a nice January, but hoping won't make it so. So I've prepared a delicious cornucopia of musical treats. Actually, um, there's going to be some potpourri later on, but I've prepared two big, giant, fat slabs of rock and roll pleasure for you to enjoy. One of the um, not-so-tasty variety, but the other one, definitely something that I don't think you've heard all the way through, because I know you, and I know you're not going to listen to stuff like this. So I've prepared it for you. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, today's show is all about concept albums. Concept albums. Uh, I guess you could say that uh, in the early days of uh, 33 and the third records, concept albums were all the rage. Uh, you could fit uh, an entire Broadway musical soundtrack on two 33 and a third 12 inch vinyl platters. Whereas before that, you had to buy maybe 20 or 30 um, 10-inch shellac platters and keep them in one of those big, giant photo albums with um, with uh, 78s in them. 78 RPM was the speed that they moved at. Uh, you know this stuff. I don't have to tell you. But I think it would help to know that the fact that albums were longer than 45s and that they sounded better than 78s, even though they moved slower kind of motivated young people making the rock and roll to express themselves more extremely, I guess is for lack of a better word, because I'm full of Coca-Cola right now. So I'm not thinking clearly, but let me just say that aside from Broadway musicals, which you could say are concept albums, really the first Concept albums were the Frank Sinatra records in the 50s, things like um, Songs for Young Lovers, Swingin' Lovers, whatever, and um, and I'm thinking In the Wee Small Hours from 1955, which was an album that didn't necessarily tell a story all the way through, but it did have a theme, which was sitting in a bar, drinking, and lamenting lost love, like Frank did so many times back then. And singing these wonderful, lush arrangements of these wonderful songs that endure to this day. In the wee small hours of the morning. Thank you. <laughs> but Frank was um, unique in that regard. He had all the, the money and the power and the prestige behind him. And he could express himself like that. And a lot of artists tried to, to do the same thing. But when the rock and roll came along, well... All bets were off because singles were the new thing, not just jukebox singles either. These were singles that kids would run out and buy and play at home and fantasize about what it would be like to have that Bill Haley come over and, you know, tuck you in at night and talk to your parents about smoking and how dangerous it is. And don't do that rock and roll music, even though I do. Uh, so I'm kind of getting off track here. Let's just say that concept albums are albums that either represent one single theme throughout or an actual story from beginning to end. Uh, Tommy by The Who is an example of a concept album which has a linear story. Um, I'm not sure it's a very good story, and I'm, I'm actually I'm pretty sure it's not very good. Uh, the Wall is better than that by Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd released uh, The Wall, Dark Side of the Moon was a concept album, Animals was a concept album, although it didn't tell a story. Wish You Were Here was also a concept album. 
all concept albums. XTC from 1986 released Skylarking, which is also a concept album going from the beginning of somebody's life to the end of somebody's life. Brilliant. Produced by Todd Rundgren. If you've never heard it before, it's just great. Genesis, which is a prog group. We talked about prog last week. Did The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Again, another story that's not so easy to understand. And I can talk about Genesis for a long time, but let's just say that that's The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway is very well done, but not so much as a story story. Uh, of course, Chris Gaines was going to do The Lamb. That was never released. That's a very, very uh, sought-after release, Chris Gaines. I don't know whatever happened to him. Camel did a... a uh, concept album, all instrumental, The Snow Goose. Um, yes, Tales from Topographic Oceans. That charted very well. Rush, that band from Canada. They did, uh, did they do, yeah, 2112, of course. Um, but that's not a concept album per se. It's concept side. They're talking about Ayn Rand and all that stuff. Did they do a concept album all the way through? Can't think of it now. They, Hemispheres was one side. Um, one of our listeners uh, chimed in. He said Rush, but... I'm I'm not sure, but you know, perhaps I'm missing something. That could be. I've missed things before. I am going to play you today two concept albums from the vinyl era. The first one was released on MGM in 1973, and it is by a group you know I love called the Osmonds. The Osmonds did a concept record in 1973 called The Plan, and The Plan is an album that talks about the Osmonds' search for meaning in this world of chaos and how they found it through Mormonism. Um, I'm sure that they were indoctrinated from an early age into Mormonism, but this album talks about how their lives, eh, blah, 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 Mormonism, this, that, and the other thing. The important thing to know is they were inspired by the Beatles. They were inspired by Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, in 1967, which was not a concept album. Lennon and McCartney have said as much. They said as much. But the Osmonds were inspired by the fact that every single song seemed to be great. I guess. I don't know. But that was their inspiration for breaking away from the pop machine. They released a couple of singles from this album. They didn't really do that well. And let's never talk about it again, because after they released it, they uh, they did a promo video, which you can see on the YouTube if you if you look for it. And then after that, they went back to trying to make hits. But this, I, I think, sort of lost their audience instead of growing up with their audience, their audience instead of growing up with the Osmonds artistically, the audience, mostly preteen girls abandoned them at that point because they didn't want to hear about Mormonism. They didn't want to hear about this stuff. You might enjoy it. So anyway, I have cobbled together all of the tracks and the vignettes from the 1973 version of the 1973 release by the Osmonds called The Plan. I hope you enjoy it. I don't think it's very good, but there are some places in it that are kind of inspired. They really, 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 really tried to rock.
Before the beginning, we were living oh so far away from here, and we called it home, but didn't stay. We knew that we could leave one day.
Could be so easy. Loving you could make me warm. Ever since the day I left you, I 
try, but I just can't get you out of my mind. Thought I could do without you. Thought I had to look around. But now that I know I need you, I promise that I'll never leave. Give my.
All right. Come on now. All right. That was side one of the Osmonds concept album from 1973, The Plan. Are you a Mormon now? I have met knowingly about three or four people of the Mormon faith, and they are the nicest, most generous, wonderful people I've ever met. Kind, generous, and lacking pretension. Just very, very nice people. One of them renounced, so no more underwear like that for them. Anyway, this is Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities on WHUP-FM, Hillsborough, North Carolina. I hope you're enjoying this. This is um concept album show, the concept album show. So um, before I play side two, I wanted to tell you that the Osmonds actually, when they finished this record, they sent it to a Los Angeles radio station with a white label like um, uh, other bands had done before them. I, can't, I, I think the Four Seasons might have done that or the Guess Who. I, I don't know. But the Osmonds knew that they weren't going to get any play on FM if they submitted a record like this under the aegis of the Osmonds. So they sent like a white label record saying, Hey, uh, try playing this. This is wonderful. People will love this. It's rocking. And I don't think it helped. This album actually, I think went to 70, number 70. If that, there were two singles from it went to number 38. And I think I may have mistakenly played them because I, um, you know, part of the tenets of the show is that I don't play any top 40. But I have never heard any records from the plan played on the radio ever, even when I was a contemporary, even when this stuff was coming out. My sister bought this album and I remember playing it. And the thing I remember about it was the uh, the little the little vignette in there where it says, I'm sorry. Oh, so sorry. And I played that a few times because I couldn't understand why are songs so short on this record. Anyway. I hope you like it. It's really pretty good pop, but it's just so gosh darn clean. I think that's the thing is that it's it's not necessarily that the Osmonds couldn't break out of their of of their their cast. It was just that it all sounded so perfect. Anyway, great vocals, great harmonies, great performances, and it just kind of flopped. And that was the end of the Osmonds as a as a recording uh power again this release this this was released on the mgm label so i hope you're enjoying this i am now going to play you side two of the osmonds the plan don't you love the popping and clicking
not London belongs to no one Why should I cherish living if there's no so-called plan Why I would have no future if it were left to man I can't believe that we just happened and don't know it for there must be more in a love that I can't have forever Does it seem right to live a game of takeaway Should I want four children if there isn't any more for them to live for Maybe I'm a pessimist Then maybe I'm not One
Ow. Hi, everybody. This is Gilbert Neal, and this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. That was side two of The Plan by the Osmonds. Album reached number 50, I think, in the American charts. The single um, Let Me In did pretty well. Um, went to number 38, did a lot better in Canada and England, where the Osmonds couldn't do no wrong in England, I mean. And uh, that was the end. That was their Sgt. Pepper-inspired concept album, The Plan. And as you heard toward the end, everything ended up pretty well. They knew what was going to happen. Anyway, started off with The War in Heaven, as there was the uh, little prelude there. Then Traffic in My Mind, Before the Beginning, Movie Man, Let Me In, One Way Ticket to Anywhere. Are you up there? It's all right. Mirror, mirror, which I really, really dig, actually. Darling, the last days, and finally, going home. So, as a listener pointed out, still, as as weird as it is to hear that, still much, much better than anything uh, by Katy Perry. And that's the truth. This is Gilbert Neal. This is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. And, excuse me, on WHUP. I have to tell you a story now because um, I'm going to change my format a little bit. I was going to play a whole album released in 1971, but I don't think I want to do that. I think I want to just play you three of the songs from it, which I think are exceptional Um, in no particular order. Now, there's a backstory, and I hope you will indulge me because it's, it's kind of an important story to me. My family came from Brookville, Pennsylvania, which is a quaint, small town about an hour east of Pittsburgh along the Pennsylvania Turnpike. My father was born in 1911. And if he were alive today, you can do the math. I am not an old man, but my father, he... uh, he was married twice. The second time he was married was with my mother and my sister older than me by two and a half years. And then me, the last one, my father's sister's name was Abby. Um, Abby Neal. Esther is actually, I think her real name, Abby Neal. And they were all musically talented. They all played guitar and they all loved that, that old country music. Uh, old as you can be out in the hills of Pennsylvania, just the bluegrass. They, they were all guitar players and uh, my uncle Walt played the fiddle and my uncle Richard played the guitar and my father played, uh, the dobro and, uh, the guitar. And, uh, I would imagine that they all spent many, many evenings sitting around a fire singing these songs. My father's little sister, Abby Esther had more talent than they all did. And they were all talented. She could play the fiddle and she could play the steel guitar, the pedal steel guitar. She was incredible in guitar. And she had an ear for vocal harmony that just transcended her surroundings. She, she, she was just born into it. She just was born with that talent. A kind woman, sensitive, really didn't belong in that, that um, world. 
Um, <clears throat> she won a fiddle contest when she was a teenager, um, and that sort of propelled her to a career in country music. And she, I think his name was Cowboy Bob or something, formed a band in the 30s and 40s, a touring group with uh, him and the big cowboy hat and four four girls, and one of them was Abby. Now, uh, Abby left the group to form her own band in the 50s called Abby Neal and the Ranch Girls. And Abby Neal, one of the first female leaders of an entirely female group. And they did all the standards of the day, and they were incredible. I would imagine that Abby spent a lot of time teaching these girls how to play their instruments. They were not as nearly as assured as she was. And she was something. She had a television show in the Johnstown, Pittsburgh area, the Abby Neal Show. Abby Neal and her ranch girls, excuse me, I have to, I have to say that. Uh, Abby Neal and her ranch girls had their own TV show. They had radio and then they had television sponsored by local businesses and you can see their shows on my YouTube channel. Just look up Abby Neal, N-E-A-L, and you can see her show. And it's a lot of fun. She had some special guests and there's actually a test reel that they sent to sponsors uh, saying this is what the show is and you could be part of it and this and that and the other thing. Endless entertainment. She never played the Opry, I don't think, but she did tour Vietnam and she did tour Korea and she did tour all over the world for the military. She toured, played for the troops, uh, played in Vegas, played in Reno. Reno is where she ended up settling. She retired in Reno. And the point of all this is to say that also growing up in that area, that Johnstown area, was a man named Lou Sacco, who also had a talent for singing and also had a talent for music. He was devastatingly beautiful, handsome as anything. And he started a singing career in the early 60s, in the 50s and 60s, I think. And he ended up breaking through with a giant hit in the United States called Lightning Strikes. You've heard it. You would know it if you heard the chorus. Because the chorus is just one of those great uh, ascensions of, of, of pop happiness. Just wonderful song. And his voice was very distinct because he had this really high falsetto that didn't lose its power or its control. And he had a couple other hits. Um, the Gypsy Cry, Two Faces Have I... Um, you know, he was a, he was a star. He, he did a, a scopatone. I don't know if you remember what those are, but, but he, he was different. He should be in the rock and roll hall of fame for one reason. And one reason only that he was one of the few guys who was one of those heartthrobs that actually wrote his own songs. And he wrote his own songs with a woman named Twyla, who was a redheaded, I guess sort of a gypsy sort of teller. I'm not sure I've done research, but beautiful woman older than Lou. 
And Lou, by the way, Lou's stage name was not Lou Saka. It was Lou Christie. He changed his name to Lou Christie. You would. that People did that back then. And they wrote songs together. They, the two of them, an odd pair, would write these pop songs together. And they wrote Lightning Strikes. And they wrote all those other hits that you, that you will know if you just do a little research. And sometimes you will see Lou Christie on, um, on public television hawking, you know, or, or doing a concert or an oldies concert. He's still out there and he still looks great and he still sounds great. And he is the nicest man. He and I actually communicated together, as did my Aunt Abby and I. He was actually a very big fan of my Aunt Abby. And I spoke to Abby. I, I must have seen her when I was a kid, but I didn't, I didn't really put it together that this really glamorous, well-put-together woman was like a star. And only later in her life, uh, in Reno, maybe 10 or so years ago, I mean, 15, she and I started talking as friends and as family. And I think it meant a lot to her because I know it meant a lot to me. And I would talk to her and she would mention the fact that this guy, Lou Christie, was always calling and always supportive and always wondering how she's doing and stuff like that. And it just blew my mind. So I was curious about Lou Christie. And I and as I as I do, I, I wanted to dig into his discography. Abby didn't have much of a discography until Lou put together a CD of stuff of her music, kind of a retrospective, years after, decades after the fact. And it's really neat. If you like bluegrass, if you like country music, that old stuff, you'll love Abby Neal and the Ranch Girls. You'll love them. And I'm going to do a show on them pretty soon. Because it deserves to be heard. It's outside of the time parameters of the show. And it's outside of the, the, the I don't really like country music at all. Not that much. But her stuff is really neat. And she was on TV. She was a TV star. She had her own show. It was neat. Uh, anyhow, I dug into Lou's discography. And I knew nothing, next to nothing about Lou, Dis, Lou Christie's um, discography. But... Come to find that in 1971, after all the teeny bopper stuff, after all the, the hits had not dried up, but he was no longer a big draw. Still playing a, a lot and stuff like that, but he did this album called Paint America Love in 1971. And the first time I heard it, oh, by the way, he sent me, Lou Christie sent me a CD of it because I was Abby Neal's nephew. And it's one of my prized possessions. I got rid of all my CDs, put them on a the computer, but this one I hold on to. I have it in my hand right now. He was on the Buddha label from 1968 to 1972. Um, and I'm not going to play you the whole album. And by the way, this is WHUPLP Hillsboro. I'm not going to play you the whole thing, but I'm going to play you three of the songs from this album, Paint America Love. I found the actual vinyl copy on eBay, but it was a cutout. Had a hole through it. You know how they do that. Uh, it cost me like six bucks. But um, it, too, is one of my prized possessions. Anyhow, this is going to involve me actually DJing because I'm going to be playing some of the vinyl and I'm going to be playing some of the CD that Lou sent me. 
I hope you enjoy this. I'm just going to play three songs from it, and I hope you like it. This is Lou Christie Sacco from 1971 and a selection of songs from his great album. You really should get it. It's called Paints America Love. Look out the window. Ooh, people are crying in the streets. Look out the window. Can't you see broken hearts and tangled feet? Love is trying to
This is D-Sides Orphans and Oddities. My name is Gilbert Neal on WHUP LP um, FM um, Wampombaloombombalampamboom Hillsboro. That was uh, some songs from Lou Christie's wonderful record, Paint America Love, tragically underrated, um, almost unheard in its day. Um, from the artist, he said, I never finished Paint America Love the way I wanted to. I only had two hours to finish the mixes. They wanted a teeny bopper hit. I was very fed up with being a teen idol, trying to grow as an artist, but they refused to give me time. Even with the mixes the way they were, Leonard Bernstein acknowledged that the album was brilliant. And that is Paint America Love, one of my favorite records of all time. Not only for how it sounds, I think it's a wonderful record, and there's a lot of mistakes in it if you listen very carefully, but don't listen very carefully because that's how you find mistakes in people as well. But what it represents to me and what it represents to my Aunt Abby, who died, I believe, 2008, and uh, I still miss her. I think about her all the time. Anyway... Uh, I hope you're enjoying tonight's show. Uh, that was that. By the way, that is a concept album. Paint America Love is more or less about Lou Christie's childhood growing up in Johnstown, uh, near the Ohio River, Aliquippa, all that stuff. Uh, it's a great listen. I, I, I know you'll enjoy it. If you take the time to find it, you won't be sorry. And as as we say, it's better than anything that's coming out today. Anyway, back to the potpourri on WHUP. That would have been brilliant if it would have happened. Oh, I forgot to press a button. Well, excuse me a minute. I'm going to do that again. What I was saying was, back to the potpourri on WHUP. Thank you. 
She's a dancer A prettier gal I've never seen before I went to the theater To see her What a shock When I opened up The door She was dancing the bump
Yeah, that's right. She is my baby now. But she was your baby first when you recorded the song. And then when you redid it in 1969, I don't think she's your baby anymore. Anyway, I digress. I don't mean to I don't mean to say anything uh, disparaging about the great Gene Vincent, except for he redid Bebopalula in 1969. And that's what you just heard. Hi, Gay Vault. This is Gilbert Neal, and this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities on another fine, fine Saturday night. I hope you enjoyed the Osmonds concept album, The Plan, as well as excerpts from a better concept album, Lou Christie's Lou Sacco Christie, Lou Christie Sacco, whatever, um, Paint America Love. I could, pay, I could play a lot more from that one, but another time. Anyhow, I hope you're having a nice evening. Oh, yeah, it was Bebopalula by Gene Vincent, 1969. And before that, G.C. Cameron from 1974 with If You Don't Love Me. And uh, you could swear that you've heard that song before because it was written and produced by Stevie Wonder. And every instrument was also played by Stevie Wonder. So it's almost as if it's like a bonus track from um, fulfilling this first finale. It's... Not a bad song at all. Stevie had the golden touch, that's for sure, in the early part of the 70s and uh, throughout. Before that, Eddie and Dutch, My Wife the Dancer. Before that, Dyke and the Blazers, Let a Woman Be a Woman, Let a Man Be a Man. Boy, am I sick and tired of that commercial. Actually, it's not that commercial. It's that movie, that commercial, that soundtrack, that TV show, that uses that, how you like me now, bank, bang, bank, bank. Well, that's where it comes from. It comes from Dyke and the Blazers release, Let a Woman Be a Woman, Let a Man Be a Man. No, there's nothing original about that thing. It comes from these guys back in the 60s, and it's awesome. Before that, Buddy Rich and his daughter Kathy doing their version of the Sonny Bono penned, Sonny and Cher recorded The Beat Goes On. Baseball scores, wait, electrically, the baseball, baseball, electrically, they keep the baseball score. I think he had written himself into a corner that day. Anyway, we're reaching the end of my show here on uh, WHUP. Gosh, I have a good time every time I come here. I don't know if you're listening. If you are, please, please, please let me know by visiting D-Sides Orphans and Oddities on the Facebook or visiting WHUP on the Facebook or the uh, the website WHUPFM.org and let them know that it's okay what we're doing here on Saturday night. It's okay. We're having a little fun. It means a lot to me, and I would love to hear from you. So please let me know that you're listening and that you're enjoying what we do. Yep, that's what I want you to do. Anyway, I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, I guess there's football on, some sort of championship coming up. Um, with the kids and the, the shoulder pads and, and stuff like that. Uh, who knows? Seems the earth can't see the children. Seems the children can't see the earth. In this green cathedral, God want these people. When 
See Jamaica moon above. It won't be long till I see my love. He'll take me in his arms and then I'll tell him I'll never leave again. Across time, 
Gave me each a horse, sunrise and graveyard Told me only I was her Bid me face the east, closed me in questions Built the sky for my dawn
Stand you on. 